Good morning. This this morning we will uh, be in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. Last week we are starting a series through the book of Ephesians. Um, and Mike introduced the text last week. Uh, talked about the context, and I will not rehash all of that because I don't have enough time for what I have. Unfortunately for you, we are only going to go through two verses this morning, not the first 13 verses, which actually in the original text are one sentence. When Paul writes the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, which there was no chapter when he wrote it, verses 1 through 13 are one sentence. And this reminded me, of just the outpouring of God's blessing and mercy. And for some reason, a picture of my daughter came to my mind at Murray's Splash Park. And she was terrified of what was happening. The water was everywhere. She was extremely terrified of those Little, huge, no, I say little, those huge cups of water that fill up and then tip over. And in a way, when we get to Ephesians chapter 1, we see Paul's cup tipping over. He breaks out into glory and praise. We start here in verse 3 with the blessing of God. And I will have to contain myself from wanting to go past verse 4. Because Mike said 3 and 4 today. So as we look to the text, let us stand in the honor of reading of God's holy word. And I'm going to read verse 1 through verse 4. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. And are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before Him. Amen. This is God's Word. You may be seated. Blessed be God. When we come to this text, we see an outpouring of praise from Paul. And oftentimes, the book of Ephesians has been something of a very tough thing for many Christians to read. Because the things that it talks about, the things that Paul sits here and is expounding are deep. Because they go back before you and I, not just before you and I were born, not just even a thousand years ago, but it goes back to eternity past where God had set His affections upon a group of people. When we look at verse 3, we see a truth that is true about everyone who is in Christ. And it is Paul's heart welling up and pouring out. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
in these verse in these first two verses or these two verses that we're considering today what we really see is a description of God's love for us Augustine the great theologian said a long time ago about this passage the love with which God loves is incomprehensible and immutable For it was not from the time that we were reconciled unto Him by the blood of His Son that He began to love us. But He did so before the foundation of the world, that we also might be His sons along with His only begotten. Before as yet we have had any existence of our own. Augustine rightly points out that verses 3 and verse 4, and actually the whole book of Ephesians is about God's love for a group of people. A love that makes no sense to people in the world. Because the perfect and holy one set his affections upon people who were not perfect and holy. Actually, they were the opposite of that. But what we see in verse 3 is that God... In Christ has blessed us in the heavenly places. He begins the verse by ascribing blessing to God the Father, which may seem kind of strange. The the original word there in verse three, blessed, blessed, is the word from where we get the word eulogy. And when you think of eulogy, you think of a funeral, right? You think of saying good words or kind words about somebody at a funeral when you give a eulogy. Well, Paul is giving a eulogy about the God and Father, not a God who is dead, but he is speaking the good and kind praises of God. And so he is breaking forth into praise towards God the Father because of what he has done. In Ephesians chapter 1, as I'm sure Mike will talk about through our series as we go through this, you see what is a Trinitarian formula that describes how God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have worked out our salvation. In verses 3 and 4, and even into verse 5, you see God's providence and God the Father setting His affections on a group of people before the foundation of the world. Later on, we see that Christ, in Him we have redemption. That Christ Jesus accomplished the redemption that the Lord had set forth before time began. And then in verse 13 and 14, you see the promised Holy Spirit who guarantees the promise of what has been done until the day that we acquire possession of it. But one true thing that we need to understand here is this, is that the very first verse, or very uh, in verse 3, we see here that Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And that is not only something that we will receive when we get to be with Him, when He comes and He calls His people unto Himself once again, or we go to be with Him. But that is something that affects this very present reality that we live today. He uses that term, in Christ. He has blessed us in Christ. Approximately, well not approximately, 13 times in the book of Ephesians, you see this statement in Christ. Paul is welling up. He is proclaiming. He is giving an outpouring of God's 
who God is and what it means to be in Christ. In Christ. He uses that term and when we think about spiritual blessings, we may think about the things that we will have when we will be with Him where He is right now. But the truth is, is that those blessings are even more true for us as Christians in this present moment than even the things that we see outside. And so when we look outside, we may be tempted to think, well, we ought to have these things. I need this. I need that. I'm going to work for this. I'm going to work for that. But in Christ, there is no striving because the work has already been done. The heavenlies have already, this whole storehouse of the heavenlies are already yours. That is not some kind of prosperity gospel in the sense that you will be rich in this life. Because even the poorest in Christ are rich in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. To be in Christ is to be represented by Him and His work on the cross. Because Jesus is our representative, we have hope that we will be accepted on the final day. This very term shows us that it is not of ourselves. It wasn't in Christ and in Lars. It wasn't Lars working with Christ. It was in Christ that we have these blessings. So therefore, even at this very moment, I don't live my life as if to gain some sort of special hope or some sort of special blessing from the Lord. But I live understanding this, that before God's even created this world, that He had set His affections on a man who is full of pride in a lot of ways. A sinner who sought his own way. But in Christ, I am adopted, as he says in verse 5, which I can't wait to get to. And I'll have to keep myself from going on into, into the, the later, chap, later part of chapter 1. But in Christ, if you don't gain anything today, walk away from here knowing that if you are in Him, what more could you need? So often, and especially in our culture, we are inundated with the idea that we ought to gain more things. Whether that be gain more insight into how we should better ourselves. Or gain more worldly possessions or gain more things in order to create our, in ourselves some sort of comfort or happiness or, or whatever. But Paul, just thinking about what he says in some of his other books or in other, his other letters, I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 4. He says in verse 10 of 4, while in prison, I rejoice in the Lord greatly now at length that you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is only able to say what he says there. 
because He knows that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places has already been accomplished on His behalf. He is not swayed to and fro by the actions and the devices of men, the way the winds would blow in the world, but He is blessed in Christ. He has a solid foundation in Christ. And when did this start? Where does this solid foundation come from? It is not within Himself. He did not go to Himself and seek to find His own sort of self-comfort, His own self-esteem. But you see here, here, right here in this text, that His self-esteem is wrapped up in the truthfulness of who God is and what He did completely separate before He even existed. In verse 4, the source of the blessing that Christ, that Paul has, the source of the blessing that we have as Christians is God. In verse 4, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. What did God do in order to so richly bestow upon us every blessing that is described in verse 3? He chose us before the foundation of the world. That may scare you or make you uncomfortable. And I submit to you when you read this outpouring of Paul's heart and really praise to God. Remember that He does help us even here. I'm reminded again of my daughter who stands up to this thing and is about to tip over and she's terrified. Well, God, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is yours through the Holy Spirit. God has given you His Holy Spirit to keep you and to guide you and to help you. And if this verse 4 is difficult for you, be reminded of this, that God is merciful to send His Spirit to help us to understand. In the same way, eventually, Shelby was able to go up to this cup that was filling up with her daddy. And in, in a simple, in a, in a very simplistic way, not to use human illustrations too much with the Lord because those are always fall short. But the Lord helps us even here to understand that He had a purpose, and He had a purpose outside of ourselves. It is wrapped up in His love and His own purposes. We see that later on in, in chapter one when we think about the very source of the blessings that we have received and where they came from, he says in, in verse verses 8, he says, which he, or in, in verse 7, we'll read there, in Him we have redemption through His blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, with which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, things on earth. And He says in verse 11, In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Well, in Christ, we see before the foundation of the world that it was God's will to set His affections upon us. If you are in Christ this morning, that is true of you. And what greater comfort can we have than the fact that God knowing everything that we would ever do 
not choosing us based upon knowing everything we would ever do, but actually in spite of everything we would ever do, the Lord set His affections upon us. What hope there is in that. We could sit here and discuss the nature of God's election, which is the word that would be used to describe this doctrine. We could describe it as an unconditional election, meaning that there was no condition upon which God saw within us that He set His love to bless us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. But He did it, as verse 11 states, according to the counsel of His own will. Overflowing from His purposes and love towards us. It makes no sense why God would choose filthy, vile sinners. But because He did, He sent His Son. Not only did He provide um, salvation for us, but He provides the means of that salvation through Christ. He had a plan in the fullness of time to bless us. And so as we think about God's purpose, all of the blessings that we have in the Lord Jesus, when we think about that He chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, what is the present result of God's electing purpose in our lives? What is to be accomplished by this? Well, ultimately, the answer is that God will be glorified. But what we read here in verse 4 is that He chose us in Him that we should be holy and blameless. The present results of our election are made plain in verse 4. It did not say that He chose us because we were holy and blameless. But He chose us unholy and and with blame in order to sanctify and set us apart for His purposes and His glory. When we think about these truths that the Lord has accomplished separate from us, if you are in Christ this morning, if you, if you have trusted in Him alone, then this ought to lead to great measures of peace in your life. Oftentimes we get torn from that type of peace. From we, when we replace the things of the world, the things, that, the things that God ought to provide with those things of the world. We get so focused and wrapped up in doing a job in order to receive temporal blessing. We get so focused in um, trying to better ourselves in, in some way to make ourselves more of what we like, would like to think of ourselves as. But when we realize the truth here, that God has provided all of these things to us. One way is through His Word. But we ought not to be drawn away for things that do not profit. Things that 
perish in this life. We ought not to be as the as the 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 parable of the rich man who had everything he needed, had had done everything he thought he ought to have done, but he had missed the point. Well, the point was, and the ultimate point is, is that if any of you are in Christ this morning, it is because of what God has done. And it is for His purposes that you have been created. It is for His purposes that you are being kept in this moment. And it is, it will be for His purpose that you are redeemed at the very last day. And that can be quite a difficult thing to swallow. But the truth is, is that in this we see very little of man and a whole lot of God. He has done this. And He is doing it today. That is not to gate to the fact that we ought to, or that, that we can't, we do indeed follow Him and make choices in that way. This passage is not teaching that man does not make a choice about things. What it is teaching here is that man is unable to make a choice outside of his nature. And that God entered into time and space and, and, and called His people for His own possession before the foundation of the world and set His heart upon them in order to change the very fact that they would never have chosen Him. He changes the nature of that individual. Gives them eyes to see and ears to hear as we heard this morning. He opens the eyes of the blind. And so this morning, as we sit here and we look and we consider these things, these really deep things, have your eyes been opened to the glories of who God is? Have you trusted in Christ as your only hope? God still saves people today. God is accomplishing His purpose today. And if you're in Christ today, God did not save you like He was walking down the road and He saw somebody who was poor and was begging and He drops him a $20 bill. God did not save you out of impulse or out of pity. God saved you in a divine plan before the world even existed. It was not out of pity, but it was His purpose to send His Son so that sinners like you and I would have a hope and would be blessed having the inheritance that is, belongs to Christ as an adopted brother or sister to that one. Have you trusted in Christ this day? And Christian, have you turned from knowing the One who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing? Are you drawn away by the things of the world? Drawn away by things that do not profit? If so, then remember, in Christ, every spiritual blessing is yours. Everything you could ever need is in Him. That's not mean that you have the, everything you would ever like in a car, or everything you would ever like down on your house, or everything you would ever want in that way. But what it does mean is this, is that everything that is important, and even more than that, 
He has lavished upon us. And so let us break forth in praise in our lives and in our hearts to have that solid foundation of who Jesus is. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You that even when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, that not out of impulse, out of pity, but out of Your own will and out of Your, your love towards sinners, You called one such as myself. And You called sinners in every place from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And You have set Your affections upon them and accomplished a redemption for them. And You planned it. It was not cursory. You did not just come up with it, but you had a purpose from all of eternity. Lord, help us to find a foundation and a resting place there. Because all of our blessings, everything good that we receive comes from you, the Father of lights. Lord, may we rest in you. I pray that if someone here today has not trusted in Christ, and that they are not in Christ, that they are not one with Him, by faith, that they would trust in You and quit striving after things, for You have accomplished everything. I pray all this in Christ. Amen.